0: Thanks for the light, Teddy. Way <laughs> <laughs> oh, you go! Cold. Oh, the cold makes you sound so great. Fuck, God, I love how sexy I am! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tita. And uh, we're a little under the weather today, but we're pulling through because we love you.
0: Yeah, this is going to be an interesting episode.
1: Today we are going to be talking about uh, Season 4, Episode 8, Smash the Mirror, Part 1.
0: So this is Book 5, Chapter 8.
1: I feel like this is the first real filler episode of the arc.
0: It's a filler episode if you take it by itself. Smash the Mirror part one and part two is not a filler episode when taken as a single episode. But that's not how we roll here at Welcome to Storybrooke. So yeah, I guess it's kind of a filler episode or a table setting episode, if you will.
1: Yeah, two-parters or one-parters here. But there are sort of, uh, gosh, I don't know how to explain it. There are a lot of callbacks. I like to stuff that was set up in the episode directly previous to this, which I guess we should talk about by, uh, you know.
0: Talking about the episode? Yeah. Before we get into it, though, um, well, no, I'll just bring this up next week.
1: We're reminded of the magical objects that are important in this arc. You know, the magic hat, the ribbons. Uh, we're reminded that the Sorcerer's Apprentice exists by seeing him sucked into the hat, which, good.
0: Aw, oh, poor Sorcerer's Apprentice.
1: Ugh, uh, uh. And, uh, Robin and Regina are definitely boning. Oh, it's so
0: gross. It's so gross. We'll talk about that in a couple minutes when that scene happens.
1: It's coy ABC fucking, which is just so much worse than porn.
0: It's not even the coyness that bothers me so much. It's just their entire relationship.
1: So the opening credits thing is the beetle, which makes sense because we saw Emma, you know, driving off in it to have her freak out.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Although, it feels like an image we've definitely seen before, but I guess the snow kind of recontextualizes it.
0: I mean, maybe. It does seem kind of lazy to me, mostly because there wasn't anything else really symbolic in this episode. Mm. Except maybe the urn. They could have used the urn.
1: Yeah, Have they used the urn? I
0: don't think they've used the urn.
1: Weird. So, a long time ago in Arendelle, we're not getting specific times, which I like. I feel like they should just stick with that from now on, because...
0: Because no, like, no one on the show knows how time works.
1: Yeah. Where we see the Snow Queen riding on a horse in what might be... Oh God, I feel like this is such a better outfit for her. It's got, like, elements of fur incorporated into it. It's different than her normal outfit in a lot of really small ways. But I think they work.
0: Well, it's, it's the jacket. It's that she has this killer, killer jacket on.
1: Yeah, I guess it's the same dress, but it's just like a fuller collar, and it's got the fur cuffs, and it just works really well.
0: The jacket looks more real in a way that the outfit kind of looks Party City. Mm. So that definitely adds an element of awesomeness to it.
1: But the point is that she's riding out to the middle of nowhere to hide the hat before she goes to see the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Look how easily she got to the Enchanted Forest.
0: I know, they didn't even show her going. That's how easy it was. I'm sorry,
1: Miss Haven.
0: (laughs) She puts a layer of ice over it before she buries it. So, like, it's an ice lock that Mm. only she can unlock with her ice. You know what she should have done that with? Oh, what? Anna's cell bars.
1: Yeah. We'll get to it. But she approaches the sorcerer's apprentice who, as, you know, par for the course, is sweeping
0: That guy's life must be so boring.
1: Yeah. And she's like, hey, what's up? And he's like, I will not talk to one who has been touched by evil. And I was like, oh my God, dude, calm the fuck down. Like... Poor Ingrid. Yeah, She killed like two people. David does that before
0: getting breakfast every morning. Yeah, but she killed them in anger. David kills them without thinking about it. So clearly that's not evil or something.
1: I don't know. Both of them were in self-defense. I mean, granted, one was accidentally her sister, but...
0: Well, that was accidental. That should definitely not be evil. Yeah,
1: and the other one was a guy attempting to abduct small children.
0: Neither of those are evil.
1: Yeah. But she wants to talk to the sorcerer, blah, blah, blah. Nobody talks to the sorcerer. Sweep, sweep, sweep. And she's like, well, I know that you totally sucked at your job and lost the hat but I'll give it to you if you help me out with the thing that I want to
0: do. Doesn't it really seem like the show is implying that there is no sorcerer? I feel like it is,
1: and honestly, I kind of don't remember the sorcerer ever actually showing up unless he gets folded into
0: the author, but I don't know. Yeah, I genuinely don't remember if there is no sorcerer, or if it turns out that the Sorcerer's Apprentice is the sorcerer, or if the sorcerer shows up. I have no idea.
1: The Sorcerer's Apprentice puts a sword to Ingrid's throat, because Which...
0: right, she said she had the hat.
1: Yeah, but...
0: He figures I... he'll just kill her and take the hat, right?
1: Because he's a good person.
0: Yeah, but she's a bad person who has something he needs and is mildly inconveniencing him. So killing her is okay. Ugh. Seriously, the morality on this show.
1: And he's like, what do you want in exchange for the hat? Because she's like, obviously I didn't bring it with me.
0: Because I'm not an idiot.
1: And she's like, well, the last time I was happy was when I was, you know, with my sisters. And they're and they're both dead now, and they didn't really get me. So I'm looking to set up two new sisters, and I've got Elsa, but I need another one.
0: And they should be magical, because my sisters didn't get me, because they weren't magical. And apparently, Elsa could be one of my sisters, but you need to get me a third one, because it needs to be three. Because I think I'm a Hallowell. I know I brought this up last week, but... It doesn't make any more sense this week.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Because it, it's hard to say, you know, her motivation doesn't make any sense. Because her motivation does make sense. She she misses her family. She wants family that understands and accepts her. It's just they're focusing on her wanting two magical sisters makes it weird. If she was yep. just looking for love and acceptance or, you know, a community of, like, of people like her.
0: Did you hear they're doing a Charmed reboot? I
1: did. I... See, the thing is, I feel like you could do a really good version of Charmed, it's just they didn't.
0: You know what makes me feel really confident about the new Charmed reboot?
1: All the actresses hate it.
0: Yes. I think that's a good sign. Yeah. If Holly Marie Combs says it's trash, I'm thinking it's probably going to be pretty great. I liked
1: Charmed at first, and before it became the weird fetish show.
0: Charmed is like Buffy Methadone? It, like, it's, it mimics the effects of Buffy, but it's neither as good nor as effective.
1: Well, especially during the Cole stuff in Season 3 when Alyssa Milano was blonde and she was always meeting Cole in the cemetery and they had the, you know, demon and witch forbidden romance. It's like, wow, you're, re- you're leaning real heavy on the Buffy tropes here.
0: Yep. Anyway, what's going on in this show?
1: Uh, Emma wakes up in her car. She slept in her car and her magic's going all haywire.
0: Yeah, her magic's, like, sparking all over the place. Like, she's got a short in her. She's got a magical short.
1: Hmm. Which, yeah, you'll remember, or maybe you won't. I don't know. If This, this probably isn't the best first episode to start with, but uh, last episode I made the analogy. It's like she's holding live wires and people keep on trying to come up to her and lick them.
0: Oh, speaking of, here comes Henry. Uh, who? Okay, I'm mostly okay with Henry in this scene. I'm still okay with Henry. Yeah, it's
1: it's because he's being Ned Stark.
0: He thinks that he can fix everything by being honorable. He thinks, and he's wrong.
1: Yeah, and your your thing with the Starks, where they're all wrong, genre savvy. He, yes, and in all fairness, like Henry does understand story tropes. He does get. He's probably he probably saw Frozen in the year he was in New York. He's like, oh, all I have to do is be this loving and.
0: Let's not get into whether or not he saw Frozen in the year he was in New York or my head will
1: explode. Although if he did see Frozen in the year uh, he was in New York, he should see what's coming. Because when Anna tried to be like, no, everyone loves you. Come back and just chill out a little bit. She got hit in the heart with the ice bolt.
0: Yep. And uh, he tries to approach Emma and be like, it's okay, Bob. We're all just worried about you. Nobody's scared of you. And then he touches her like clearly sparking hands and he gets... Yeah, shocked across the forest.
1: He gets a little cut behind his ear. It's it's a very odd wound to have, given the fact that he was thrown across the forest.
0: Well, I mean, I think it's obviously magical because it's a tiny cut, and we see later that it hasn't stopped bleeding. Uh, It doesn't stop bleeding until Regina magically heals it later in this episode.
1: And... Emma tells him, like, you have to go. I can't control this, and I don't want you to get hurt. And he's like,
0: well, and then she goes off again. And then he turns and runs. And I feel like, I mean, he's a child, so I don't want to judge him too harshly. But the correct thing to do in that situation would be to say, okay, I'm leaving because you obviously want me to leave. But I'm not afraid of you. And I'm here when you are ready to, you know, when you figure out what you need. I am here to do that for you. And then walking away calmly. That would have been the appropriate thing to do. And it would have totally neutered what's about to happen with Ingrid. Yeah,
1: because Ingrid pops up and she's like, hey, what's up? And Emma's like, why can't I ever magically hurt people I want to magically hurt? Like she tries to do the weird white magic force push thing. But it just kind of zooms over Ingrid's head. I love Ingrid in this scene because she just sort of... She does a really good job of anticipating where the special effects will be.
0: That's true. She does.
1: Because as the magic blast, you know, goes up and over her, she like tracks it. I guess that might be the uh, special effects department just putting it where the actress was looking.
0: Yeah, but they don't always do that. So. Yeah.
1: And they, yeah, I'm going back to the bit where Emma shot magical fire into Elsa's vagina last episode. I'm assuming unintentionally. <laughs> But Emma is like, look, I really don't have time for this. I'm not going to do what you want. I'm going to figure out how to stop this magic thing on my own without magically freezing the town and becoming your sister.
0: Which is really weird, right? Not only is she obsessed with there being three sisters, but with them being sisters. Like, what is your niece and what is your daughter?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's family. I want fan like it's so close to being good motivation.
0: I mean if anything, you should want there to be three children that you can be the mother of and recreate the dynamic that you had, but have it work out well. Like it's it's a real arrested development situation going on.
1: Yeah, I uh,
0: the psychological issue, not the TV show. Ah. Uh, Where she's like wanting to be a sister instead of being good instead of take her childhood trauma and make it make her be a better mother.
1: Yeah, there, there is a lot of the last time I was happy was when we were children, which is weird because, I mean, I guess the last time you were happy was before your powers manifested. But you still seem to be having a pretty good time with your sisters as an adult. And- well, not
0: really, because she was afraid to go out or do anything. Remember when her sister was going to at her dad's birthday party, she at her dad's 70th birthday party. She wasn't even going to show up at the. At yeah, the true. Yeah.
1: Uh, and the whole thing with like only one of her sisters had issues with her having magical powers unfortunately it was the one she didn't kill
0: i know right think about different her life would have turned out if she'd accidentally killed goethe instead of helga
1: yeah i bet helga would have just rolled with it helga would have been like okay put the gloves on we're gonna get you some tutoring
0: yeah she'd have been like this is tragic and sad but let's go on with our lives
1: of course, there's uh, no way Gerda would have jumped in front of the Duke, so...
0: Oh, well, then the Duke would have been dead and everything... And then the Duke would have been dead and everyone would have been happy! Yeah. yeah. Anyway.
1: So, uh, in Regina's tomb...
0: Oh, she I and hate R- this
1: plot. Yeah, she and Robin have just finished having sex for, like,
0: 12 hours. Yeah. Yeah, he comes out in his undershirt, like, Marlon Brando in Streetcar Named Desire, and is like, that's the best sleep. I've had it a long time.
1: Yeah, the coyness just really grosses me out here. It's so... Ugh, it's... It's referring to having sex on a f- what is ambiguously a family show is always kind of weird, but there's this sort of... I don't know. I'm going to borrow something from The Simpsons. Creepy Pat Boonish vibe to the way they're sort of avoid. It's got this weird saccharine thing... Yeah, I don't know I just find it way creepier Than if they were explicitly talking about the fact That the two of them had sex all night
0: Yes now I do not want the creepiness to Overtake how adorable A Priya is when she bites her lip In this scene that does happen and it is Adorable uh, Then he's all like joking about Bringing her back to the camp to cook breakfast For her but it's a joke because He can't because he's gone and made her a Mistress now exactly like she didn't Want to be and I'm just so Angry at Robin so angry. I
1: I know this is a little backtracky, but the fact that he's wearing a tank top, undershirt. Yeah, undershirt. It really feels like this weird morality thing. Like the way they're walking around, how these two characters clearly had sex. It feels like a, like standards and practices. The two beds must be separate. You can never show a bathroom on TV thing. Which is odd because I just feel like if this had been, I don't know. It's so
0: funny that you said that because when I was watching it, I was thinking about how, um, yeah, it just seemed really anachronistic to me because I remember in uh, It Happened One Night, there was a there was a thing where when Clark Gable takes his shirt off and he's not wearing an undershirt, it was both shocking and also caused sales of undershirts to plummet. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I feel like that was sort of the bullet in the head of that industry.
0: No, it happened when night was pre-code. It was pre-Hays Code, so it was a lot sexier.
1: Yeah, which is kind of weird because you know they. I, I saw that movie a very long time ago. I remember enjoying it, but I don't really remember the plot. The main thing that stuck with me was he was traveling with um, with a woman, with a woman, and they had a bedsheet between the two of them throughout the whole movie. You know, for propriety. And then at the end of the movie, you know, they refer to it as the wall. And then just the wall of Jericho is coming down. And I'm like, I don't know. I guess that feels also sort of coy on this level, but not as gross as the, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's such a better constructed way to avoid talking about sex while talking about sex.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, Like, it's. You know what? I don't even. I, I wanted to say it's not just winking at it like this show is, but it, it kind of is. So I really don't have an answer other than it's well done. That's yeah. the difference is that it's well done.
1: But I was just thinking, like, if this was any other show, Robin would be shirtless in the scene.
0: Yeah, maybe he's uncomfortable with his body, like like, like
1: Josh Dallas, like
0: Josh Dallas.
1: Uh, I, I just remember this interview with James Marsters where he talked about how his costume in season six was basically a sock.
0: Or maybe they were purposefully doing a Marlon Brando thing, because that's definitely what I thought of when he came out of the shadows. Not that you you should want to look like Marlon Brando from Streetcar Named Desire.
1: Yeah, it's not a great metaphor.
0: Like, it's weird, because you imagine, you, you remember the very, very sexy image of young Marlon Brando, but the particular thing that you're calling back to is a creepy, abusive rapist, so I don't know.
1: Maybe it's more rap than they thought. I mean, he's not a rapist, but he's—I don't know. It—it it doesn't seem like it was particularly well thought out. And uh, I don't know. He was Sherlock a lot in a uh, Crodman Dune, the one episode I saw, which I got from Free for i feel like i should watch it now even though i'm sure it's terrible because the impression i got from the one episode i saw is oh it's gallivant except without the songs and not clever
0: that's how you said that before that sounds terrible
1: yeah but it has an actor who's in something else anyway this whole scene i know we said this we've been saying this for all of the stuff but again it's just repeating the snow it's it's all stuff we've seen before, and
0: yeah, it's repeating the fir- It's repeating Snow's storyline from the first season, where she and David couldn't be together because he was married to someone else. Except not really. Same thing going on here, except that here I'm really annoyed with it. But also Regina goes into her whole "I can't have a happy ending because I'm a villain" thing. So you know, it's also setting up next season.
1: Yeah, and she brings up she talks about how. There's an author and he wrote a book. And I like how Robin has the reaction I think anyone would have where he's like, wait, so this guy just magically knew everything that was going on and was writing it down. Didn't anyone think that was weird? And I'm like, OK, yeah, 10 points to Robin because
0: he's like, point me to this guy. I'm going to have a chat with him. And Regina's like, yeah, that's kind of already my plan. I just uh, <laughs> I have to find him first. And it's funny because Regina does say him, you know, or her or it. But honestly, of course, it's a man.
1: It's once upon a time. What show do you think you're watching, or what show do you think you're living in, Regina? But yeah, blah blah. She's a villain. Blah blah. She feels bad about her past, and he's like, "Yeah, this book's just about the past. So you need to look to the future, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera, and
0: she talks about the part of her story where Tinkerbell told her that Robin Hood was her soulmate, and she and she did go to him. She says that she chose evil over him, but really she chose revenge over him. Mm. And I get that she did a lot of evil things to get her revenge. But I don't like how much this show is kind of black and whiting what Regina did. I don't
1: like that there's sort of... There's a lot of this which... It's a weird area. Because they try to divorce Regina from the evil queen... As part of her redemption arc, but they really shouldn't. She shouldn't be, I'm a different person. It should be, I did all of these terrible things. That's a part of me and I'm working to, I I hate to go to this well, but they should be going a lot more angel with this. Yes,
0: she should be working towards redemption. That should be a thing that she's constantly working towards.
1: Instead of just trying to divorce her from what she did in the past by acting as though the evil queen was like... A separate person. Although.
0: I yeah, mean, yeah, you're right.
1: So, back at uh, the Charming's loft. Yeah, the loft. The loft. Uh, they're like, oh, we were out looking all night for Emma and we couldn't find her. And Hook's like, yeah, it's almost like that thing she said about not wanting us to find her was accurate.
0: Although Elsa points out that this happened to her in her movie and her powers just kept spiraling more and more out of control the longer she was alone. So even though she wants to be alone, maybe not a good idea.
1: David, of course, is like, yeah, she's right. We need to ignore Emma's wishes, find her, and I don't know. You can't kill her. So what? what's your, what's your goal?
0: Anyway, Henry shows up and he's like, yeah, I don't know what you fools were up to because I've already found her, talked to her, been blasted, given up and come home.
1: Yeah, she's like, I... Uh, I, I love Henry in here because he's like, I immediately found her. What were you doing? They
0: don't even establish why he was able to find her so easily and no one else could. It's just a given that, of course, Henry could find her and none of these fools could.
1: He tells them, yeah, I, I tried to talk her out of having issues with her powers, but it didn't work.
0: He also talks about how because it's powered by emotion, the people you care about most are the people most likely to be hurt when they're around you. So Hook says that they should send the dwarf that Emma doesn't like. And I just like that they've established that there's one of the dwarves that Emma just doesn't like.
1: One of his suggestions is Sneezy, which made me think about that scene where Grumpy was mad at Sneezy because Sneezy sneezed in his food. And it was supposed to be like, oh, Grumpy doesn't get along with anyone. But no, that's an asshole thing to do.
0: He actually says Sneezy or Happy, so it's also possible that she doesn't like Happy for some reason.
1: I don't really feel like we've got a good grasp on Happy. I mean...
0: I can see Emma not going to go along with him, though.
1: Yeah. Although Sneezy is sort of the go to whiny dwarf. Yeah, yeah. Which is. Uh, yeah, they, there's. I wish the other dwarves got.
0: More screen time.
1: Yeah, because we their don't. Own,
0: they, their own web spit off.
1: <laughs> okay, remember webisodes? Yes, I do. So we go back to Arendelle for. One of the more blatant, uh, it's a pretty blatant thing to the whole, ooh, chocolate thing from the movie, which, uh, it felt vaguely sexist to me, although I, I, I guess it's not. Everyone likes
0: chocolate. It felt like an unnecessary joke in the movie, and it's only weirder that they keep calling it, that they keep calling back to it.
1: I think this might be the first explicit, well, like, we've made jokes about it, but I think this might be the first explicit thing in the show where they're like, Women sure do like chocolate.
0: You know, in this fake Nordic time, chocolate was probably alcoholic.
1: Ah, okay.
0: Yeah, now it all makes sense, right?
1: Totally understandable. So the Snow Queen comes in, and I think she's wearing a different outfit here. There's something about the collar... She is wearing a different outfit. And it looks way better than her normal outfit. It's a lot shinier, and... It's got these, like, concentric circles all over it.
0: It's the same cut as her last outfit, but it has a different bejeweled pattern on it.
1: Yeah, and the collar's sort of more full. But she's like, yeah, so turns out your sister found the thing that your parents went to Misthaven for. You know, the uh, hat that sucks out your magic.
0: And then lied to you and told you that they weren't actually looking for anything.
1: And she called me a monster, so I threw her in the dungeon, you know until she calms down where the thing is, none of this is technically a lie. Yeah. And yeah. So.
0: And Elsa's like, okay, sounds legit.
1: Yeah. Elsa's like, okay. So, uh, that seems like a little bit of an overreaction. And, uh, Ingrid's like, well, you know, your mom was the one who shoved me in the vase and I'd really like to prevent that from happening Again, you know, because, hey, you know, it's a thing.
0: Stories repeating themselves? Yeah. Oh, hey, look at that.
1: And Ingrid's like, so let's maybe not do that this time. And I'm telling you all the truth because, you know, you deserve it. And you should have all of the information before making decisions about stuff. And Elsa's like, oh, you're clearly evil. I'm going to go talk to Anna in the dungeon. But I mean, I believe you. I'm on your side.
0: I do want to point out that. I do want to point out that Elsa is wearing her gloves, her gloves that help her keep things under control, but she's wearing it with her let it go outfit instead of her concealed don't feel outfit. And it looks a little weird, even though it matches.
1: Yeah. I was just thinking that because
0: it's too matchy matchy.
1: Yeah. It seemed very odd that she had gloves on in this scene.
0: Well, they're the magical
1: gloves. Are they? They were, they're blue. Aren't the magical gloves purple?
0: No, those are the magical gloves.
1: Huh. So Rumpel goes into his shop, and all of the
0: uh, all of the stuff is going off to let him know that someone with uncontrolled magic is is nearby.
1: It's very haunted, housey. There's yeah. even a monkey doing. The- I know you haven't seen a lot of uh, Mystery Science Theater uh, three thousand. Have you seen the Merlin Shop of Mystical Wonders?
0: No, I have not.
1: Okay, so I just want to give you the backstory of this really quickly. Because it's one of my favorite things. So there was this, the story of that movie, Merlin Shop of Mystical Wonders, was that there was a horror anthology series that was planned and had part of it shot, but then it ended up falling through. Okay. So what they did is they took the footage from a horror anthology and recut it into a children's movie by having it be stories Ernest Borgnine is telling his grandson
0: because it sounds amazing. I want to watch it right now.
1: Yeah. And the thing is, they're like... It's, like, probably my favorite episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Which is a show that I really like when it's good, but it's really, really hit or miss. But the thing is, like, it's a children's movie where... Uh, what brought this to mind is there's a story about this... Uh, one, the,
0: the monkey with the symbols. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And its thing is, every time the symbols go off, someone dies in the vicinity. And that's one of the stories Ernest Borgnine is telling his grandson.
0: sounds kind of hilarious.
1: The other one's about uh, this guy who finds a book uh, of spells, and he ends up turning himself into a baby.
0: Oh my god, I want to watch this right now.
1: Yeah, it's really good
0: yeah you know what
1: i think it's my favorite mystery science theater 3000 it is also really besides the point because rumple's like hey uh why are you in my shop
0: and she's like oh i figured you're the only person who's safe around me because i don't love you enough to blast you and you're powerful enough to stand the incidental blasting that i'm doing
1: yeah and she's like so it turns out my magic has been like massively inconsistent throughout the show and it's barely ever useful. So could you just maybe take it away? And he's like, huh, it sure is convenient that I have a,
0: Oh, and, and by the way, Ingrid super powered it. So, you know, in case you were looking for a large amount of magic somewhere, I now have it.
1: Yeah. And he's like, there's a spell that can strip the savior of her powers,
0: but it will, uh, but it will create a giant blast that will knock out, like, a whole city block. So there's basically nowhere in storybrook you can do it except at this abandoned manor that for some reason no one lives in. Yeah. Even and- though your whole family all lives in a tiny loft. Capitalism! Well, I was thinking
1: about this after uh, last episode we talked about how Sleeping Beauty is still living in uh, grannies. Because there are no uh, places. And I'm like, okay... But people have died since the first curse. So maybe there's like, uh, you know, that guy Cora turned into a fish's house. Well, if or... nothing
0: else? Catherine and David had a house?
1: Yeah. Ka- oh,
0: yeah Catherine and David had ha-
1: Why are they living? I guess Catherine's still living there.
0: Oh, is Cat? Did Catherine come over with the second curse?
1: Did Catherine end up leaving the town to go to Boston? No, because she to- can't. Yeah. <laughs> so... Presumably, she ended up back with what's-his-bucket. Frederick. Yeah, Frederick. But uh, even so, like, Billy probably had a house they could have lived in.
0: Oh, poor Billy. Yeah,
1: poor Billy. Or King Charming. Yeah. I'm just saying, there are are options other than living at Granny's. Although, I guess they don't have jobs, but then what is the economy in Storybrooke? Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the whole point of this scene is that... Rumpel's like, hey, go to this specific location at this specific time and don't tell anyone in your family and you definitely won't get sucked into a magical hat.
0: Yep, that's the plan. Good plan. Excited to be a part of this plan.
1: Yeah. Before the scene closes out, Rumpel, see Rumpel tells her it's a spell. He doesn't tell her about the hat. And he holds up a piece of random paper and then when she leaves, he crumples it up so we know it's not a real thing. But we know it's not a real thing.
0: You know it's the hat? Come on. Have a little trust in us.
1: Although I do like that he left a map with the uh, magic uh, house circled.
0: Yeah, that was really convenient.
1: Yeah. So, or, or,
0: or I mean, it will be if anyone comes to the shop looking for Emma later.
1: Seriously. So Elsa's going to the dungeons to confront Anna. About
0: t- how she tried to steal her magic with the hat.
1: And she's all like angry at her in front of the guards she's like i can't believe you did that to me you tried to attack ingrid what the hell is wrong with you and she's just doing this for the benefit of the guards but honestly these are all legitimate points
0: well i mean i think part of the point is that as is that in this show the sisters you know these two have a magical bond right she understands why anna did what she did without anna having to explain it she understands that this was to protect her from knowing what her parents had done And just like before, Ingrid got rid of the yellow ribbons. Those sisters inherently understood each other. This scene is very. This scene calls back to the scene with the Duke,
1: where yeah, I was just I was just gonna say that this is really reminiscent of the scene with the Duke, where at first it seems like
0: yeah, he he accuses he accuses Ingrid of trying to seduce him and then using magic against him, and Helga's like, oh, thank you for telling me. That you're a lying bitch.
1: Yeah, this scene, I I feel like this scene really heavily calls back to that, which makes sense because it was like, what, last episode?
0: Yeah, but I mean, the connection between sisters, I... Yeah, it's true. Technically, everything that... Technically, everything that Ingrid told her is true. But because they're sisters, Elsa instantly understands the context.
1: Although it's very strange that El- Elsa sends the guards away after yelling at her.
0: They're her guards!
1: Yeah, she's like... Uh, She's like, all of the guards immediately became super loyal to Ingrid, which...
0: I think based on what their plan is, she just really doesn't want any word getting back to Ingrid at all, even through gossip. So I guess that makes sense.
1: It does. It just seems really weird that, uh-oh, all of the guards are on Ingrid's side. I mean, yeah. they're, they're probably not, but still.
0: Yeah. But anyway, the plan is to find the urn, trap Ingrid, live happily ever after. Yeah. The problem is that Elsa doesn't know where the urn is. But luckily, we know from the
1: movie Frozen
0: that Anna has spent her entire life wandering around the castle by herself and she knows every place in the castle.
1: Yeah. So I just want to talk about this a little bit.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, It really doesn't make sense to me that Ingrid's as powerful and practiced with magic as she is, considering she had basically no time to actually experiment with her powers. She used them literally, what, three times before getting sucked into the... Uh...
0: No, it's demolition, man.
1: Oh, so she was conscious and alive the whole time and planning.
0: Yeah, and somehow getting more magical knowledge while she was frozen in the urn. Even though that's not supposed to be possible.
1: Yeah. I mean, it would make sense... I know they couldn't do this because then Elsa would have known all of this stuff, but I feel like it would have made sense if the urn had been, like, a prison for mystical mystical snow people and she had been exposed to all of the things that people had left in there.
0: That would be cool. That's not what happened, but that would be cool.
1: Yeah. Okay, so they're having... For some reason, back in Storybrooke, Elsa was the one to tend to Henry by giving him ice.
0: Yeah, she made ice packs. It was more convenient for her to magically make ice packs than to like get a bag of frozen peas from out of the freezer. Or to call Doctor Whale. Okay, well, that no, no, no one needs to call Doctor Whale. He hasn't
1: he hasn't street harassed Elsa yet. Huh. So they're trying to figure out what to do. And uh, Regina comes in. I hate this so much. Uh, everyone's like, So, looks like you were too busy having sex to be a good mother to Henry.
0: Yeah, and she's like, Oh, I'm sorry, David. I don't automatically pick up the phone when I see David Nolan on my caller ID. And Mary Margaret does.
1: Oh, my. It, it is one of the more passive aggressive things I think I've seen on this show where regina's like shut up she's like shut up david shut up shut up shut up where's henry i need to go see henry and snow comes up and she's like maybe you might want to button up your shirt first
0: Mm." okay to be fair regina does have her shirt up and she probably does want to button that up before she goes up to see henry yeah
1: but shut the fuck up mary margaret (laughs) i don't know for some reason, that really pissed me off. She has got this. She does this little thing with her face after she's over. Yeah, it. she's
0: so superior.
1: Anyway. And she does this kind of tight-lipped Helen does, Lovejoy. As,
0: she does a smug face. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Regina has also brought a vial of, of locator potion. And Elsa's like, oh, locator potion, how does that work? And David's like, oh, occasionally we remember that this thing exists.
1: This super useful plot-breaking thing,
0: and we pour it on anyone's on someone's possession, and it takes us right to them. And also, it's like, hmm, that would have been useful twelve hours ago when we started looking for Emma. And just that, Emma calls.
1: Yeah, Emma calls, and she's like, "Hey, I'm going through with this thing to get rid of my, uh, you know, inconsistent, not very useful powers. So that's going to be a thing." Don't worry, I'll be back soon to have hot cocoa with cinnamon with Henry. It, I'm sorry, that felt so forced. Did that feel...
0: It did. It's like a, it's like a hostage call, which is weird because the whole point of the call, I assumed, was to make them stop looking for her so that they wouldn't accidentally be nearby because she still believes that the spell is going to take out a whole bunch of like area around her like the Tegusta Blast.
1: It's just something about her saying hot chocolate with cinnamon with Henry feels really clunky.
0: No, I'm telling you, it sounds like something you would say to let people know you were being held hostage.
1: And the thing is, Mary Margaret repeats the line. Like, Emma hangs up and Mary Margaret said, she uh, turns to everyone, she's like, she's going to get rid of her powers and she can't wait to be home for a cocoa with cinnamon. And
0: Hook's going to repeat it again in a couple minutes.
1: It's really clunky.
0: It's like, I mean, to to quote, to paraphrase something Regina says later in this episode, are they getting a quarter from the Hot Chocolate and Cinnamon Commission every time they bring (laughs) up Hot Chocolate and Cinnamon?
1: So, uh, Hook really obviously has this, he's like, did she say how she was going to do it? Like, through some sort of magical hat or something, and everyone just kind of ignores him. And he has one of my favorite this is One of my favorite lines from Hook, where he's like, I left my talking phone in the truck. I need to go find it. And I just love the phrase talking phone.
0: <laughs> David's like, it's just a phone. But the thing and is... And Hook's like, that's
1: stupid. Yeah, and the thing is, it's not because... It's a telephone. No, it, it's, it's not a smartphone. I feel like there's a really... Solid line of distinction now from a phone you use for talking and a phone you use primarily for texting and being on the internet 24-7, which ah. is what people use phones for now.
0: Yeah, it's a phone phone as opposed to a smartphone. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So when he's like talking phone, I'm like, yeah, that's a talking phone. That's a phone you use specifically for talking to other people.
0: Seriously, talking to other people is the least thing I do on my phone.
1: Yeah. I mean... We just saw the Jumanji movie, and they've got the kid from the 80s in it. And he's like, does phone mean something different in the future? And it does. It does. So, (laughs) then this was very briefly followed up by what I think is one of the dumbest lines Hook ever says. Where he goes out into the hallway, and oh my god, y'all, he did have his talking phone in his pocket. And he calls Emma, and he (laughs) he leaves a voicemail where he's like... You can't trust gold or you're you're never going to meet Henry for cinnamon and cocoa ever.
0: Yeah, it's ridiculous. But basically he's like, oh shit. Because he, to Hook's credit, he figured it all out like immediately. He was like, oh, okay. Rumpel's going to steal all her power with the hat, sever himself from the sword, and Emma's going to be trapped forever, just like we trapped that old man.
1: Yeah. So back in Arendelle, they're going through uh, the, I don't know, some closed off part of the castle. The I guess, East Wing. I guess it's supposed to be Ingrid and... Uh,
0: yeah, it's the, it's the sister's bedroom, which at the time when they showed it, I thought it was also Anna's bedroom, but I guess it wasn't.
1: That's really weird that they're like, that Anna's mom was like, hey, I'm going to pattern your bedroom after the bedroom I had with my two dead sisters. That seems odd, but...
0: All children's rooms look the same in fake Nordic times.
1: Yeah. And... of uh, Apparently this has been sealed off, and Anna's parents told her it was dangerous, but, but... she ignored them and explored it anyway, because Anna... Blah, 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 blah.
0: Yeah, so basically I think that was part of Helga or Ingrid. Goethe just walled off and was like, oh, it's old, don't go in there. Which is... And uh, as Nathaniel points out... Wow, wasps sure go to a lot of trouble to not talk about shit they don't want to talk about. Is this, is this is foreshadowing
1: correct. his career? Because Christoph's line really seems to call forward to him being Nathaniel later, which I know is impossible. But sometimes when you can see the universe, there are a whole bunch of jokes you get.
0: Yep, yep. Anyway, uh, there's also a shattered mirror in the bedroom, guys. Shattered mirror. Symbolism. Who shattered that mirror? Ingrid at some point. I... No, she was still in the urn. Goethe at some point.
1: Oh, no. It, it might have been Ingrid because, uh, uh, as we'll see, she came in here to store both the urn and Hans's frozen corpse.
0: Oh, yeah, that's correct. Okay, so it must have been Ingrid relatively recently. Must have busted that mirror. Except... Uh, and one of the pieces is missing, which I have to assume was the first piece to make up the little mirror that we see she has in her ice cave.
1: Ah, ah, Yeah. Huh. Yeah, because the mirror of... She's already started work on the Mirror of Shattered Sight thing, which honestly seems super counterproductive to her whole...
0: I just want a family and to be happy goal.
1: Yeah. This is where the like, shows self-created mythology kind of rubs up against the uh, original myth, somewhat. They, the two things. I, I guess I get it, like, showing them that the world is against them, but I'm not, not sure. really. Yeah, it doesn't work when, oh, we're gonna show you that the world is against you by making the world against you with magic?
0: I mean, it turns out to be temporarily useful for what she wants to do, but
1: It really seems <laughs> although, again, sort of what makes the, it's like the character's worst flaw, but also what makes it work really well is that if Ingrid was just honest about anything at any point, she would get what she wanted.
0: It's both good character motivation and also really frustrating. Yeah.
1: Not even honest. Cause she is honestly, Ingrid doesn't lie all that much in this show. Like she withholds pertinent information.
0: She withholds context.
1: She withholds context. But if she was just more upfront about what she wanted, she would get it.
0: I know. Anyway, as you say, Anna opens a, an armoire and sees Hans's frozen corpse.
1: And she is remarkably chill about oh, this. Why? <laughs> but uh, yeah, she put the urn right next to Hans's frozen corpse. Although we will see later in the season, he's not dead. He's just trapped in.
0: He's just trapped in ice. Eternally. I have no mouth, yet i must a scream. It's
1: pretty fucked up. Yeah. Though it's interesting she accidentally immediately killed her sister, but Hans she has in this.
0: Well, I think that's showing that she has more control now. Mm.
1: So, back in Storybrooke, she's looking in the mirror, as is her want, when, oh my god, Rumple's in the mirror.
0: Well, he's actually behind her.
1: Yeah. He's... he's uh, right fairy tale show you need to be specific about these sort of things but she's like didn't we already have our talky talk where i told you everything you needed to do blah 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 and he's like
0: yeah but it
1: turns out i forgot that i'm basically the most powerful character on the show and i can really just do whatever i want so i made a magical circle because i've been watching supernatural so i made a magic circle
0: but not with salt with uh the-
1: with the shattered pieces of the urn.
0: Yeah, there you go.
1: And uh, now that you've souped up Emma's powers, I'm going to suck her dry and then I'll just get what I want without having to, you know, let you get what you want. Because, you know what? Fuck you. I'm Rumpelstiltskin. That's how I roll.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's basically the long and the short of it.
1: So she's temporarily stuck.
0: Yeah, she's temporarily bound in a magical circle in her Fortress of Solitude. In her Fortress of Frosentude and uh uh,
1: and rumple's gonna suck him a dry
0: yep that's gross sorry back at granny's uh will scarlet and robin hood are having a meeting about next season's plot
1: yeah and uh will scarlet is going real lacy here
0: yeah he's uh he's pouring a lot of liquor into his coffee like
1: spoilers for a plot that exists for like three episodes and then gets forgotten later but I really kind of like him and Belle as a couple.
0: God, yeah, I do too.
1: And the thing is, like, it just stops, like, this is spoilers. Some stuff's going to go down and Belle will end up temporarily dating Will Scarlet. And it's one of the things the show just loses interest in. It doesn't get resolved at all.
0: Well, I mean, the show would be so much more interesting if it had more interest in Belle. But, ah. Uh. There you are.
1: Plus, again, I really like the actor who plays Will Scarlet. He's intensely charming. Because Robin pulls away the... He's uh, way
0: more charming than Robin Hood.
1: Yeah, putting them together in the same scene was not smart. Robin pulls away the, uh, the coffee that's mostly uh, whiskey. I don't know, whatever he drinks at this point. And Will's like, hey, that's my breakfast.
0: <laughs> Liquid breakfast. And Anyway, Robin brings out the fairy tale book, the Once Upon a Time book. And recaps what's going on with that plot about how there's a magic writer who apparently knows everything that's happening and can maybe affect it. And we should find this guy. And And then he recaps what happened with the clock tower when Emma came to town. You know, how it hadn't moved for years and years. And when Emma came, it started moving. And so that was very important. And also, hey, there's a library under that clock tower. So books.
1: Library.
0: Seems like a good first place to start.
1: Although the implications of this are kind of interesting, I didn't really think about the fact that Will was there during the initial curse. Was he? Apparently, cuz he talks about what happened. Or I guess he could have just heard about what happened during the initial curse. But... I was
0: assuming he had just heard about what happened. Oh. Yeah, that just raises more questions. And I think he
1: is like Ugh, God damn it. I, re- I I need to just watch once upon a time in Wonderland again.
0: Apparently, but, I need to watch it at all.
1: Because I do remember him talking about how much more he likes the real world because of stuff like, you know, you can just go out and buy food and, like, there aren't giant magical mafia caterpillars trying to kill you.
0: So, because I know people were talking about it, I, is your theory that Once Upon a Time in Wonderland happened between the first curse and the second curse?
1: Ah. Uh, well, my theory is, uh, my initial theory was that the uh, flashback stuff and Once Upon a Time in Wonderland happened before the first curse. Okay. And the modern stuff happened. It's hard to tell because all of the Alice stuff takes place ambiguously in the past. But she might just be in one of those realms that exists in its own, you know, where it's perpetually the Victorian era.
0: Well, I think it's fair to assume that she probably does.
1: Yeah. So, theoretically, I think the events happen both before the first curse is cast and then after the first curse is broken.
0: But before the second curse? I think. Alright.
1: Maybe. Uh, I need to rewatch. But back in the apartment, Mary Margaret is uh, looking at a picture of her and uh, Emma and David when they're smiling sometime. And David comes up and he's like, hey, Emma looks a lot like you. And she's like, she looks kind of like you too. And he's like, not really. But it was after some mystical victory. And he's like, oh, was it from after we beat Anton the Giant or Pan? For context, after they beat Pan, Emma lived in New York for a year. They lived in the Enchanted Forest for a year beating pan meant that another curse happened like yeah and after they beat anton the giant emma was in new york during that entire thing with mr gold finding adult neil so
0: Dave's just an idiot
1: yeah emma wasn't around for either like for the aftermath of one and for the events of the other and uh, Snow's like, it was Cora, so this smiling picture of them was taken after Snow tricked Korra's daughter into murdering her.
0: Yeah, yep, that's where the smiling picture is taken.
1: See, this is where continuity comes to bite you in the ass, because there's never been a afterglow from a big bad, really.
0: It's always been like, the next big bad follows on the heels of the last one.
1: Yeah, which made Emma's whole, I don't want to be here after the Wicked Witch of the Woods.
0: Yeah, that made they, it make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, this is where we flip the script because, you know, I've been making jokes about how Emma's powers are super inconsistent and it's not really a bad thing that she doesn't want to have them anymore.
0: Well, she has the right to not want them.
1: Yeah. But David's like, maybe it's a good thing that she's getting rid of her powers because, you know, they suck and magic's gross. And then I'm like, fuck you, David. Emma should keep her powers. Which, I'm aware this is just me being opposed to David, but it feels to me like david did not like powerful women
0: uh yeah i think that's pretty accurate
1: and also like uh, there's also the thing with i know it's not explicit here but when you make magic a metaphor for something say yeah, it
0: gets awkward
1: yeah say lesbianism or addiction well, especially if you make it a very clear metaphor for one thing, and then you try to make it a metaphor for something else.
0: Yeah. Yeah, making magic a metaphor for both lesbianism and addiction, like you do in Buffy, that gets really awkward.
1: Yeah. Although they did try to walk that back the next They're like... No, it's dark magic, which is a good...
0: Well, I mean, they try to do the same thing on this show, right? Where they try to differentiate between dark magic and light magic. But it should just seem like Emma losing control for light magic causes people to get blasted and heads cut up just the same as anything else.
1: Yeah. She's feeling too much love. It's out of control.
0: <laughs>
1: In which case, yeah, they should send the dwarf that she likes the least after her.
0: Anyway, Elsa overhears them talking about how Emma's magic is stupid. And so she's hatching a plan.
1: Back in, uh, Arendelle in the past, there's a real Buffy moment where, uh, Anna makes a joke about, uh, I'm sorry, I, she, she said it and I, I made a note about it where she makes a Buffy-ism about how metaphors when taken literally are often really gross.
0: Specifically in this case, the metaphor is Ingrid having a skeleton in her closet which, actually, she does, because she has Hans in her closet, and Hans has a skeleton.
1: is way too... Yes, twee? Yes, Twe, and also totally cool with there just being a corpse cooling in her house.
0: Whatever, it's Hans. I mean, if it was me, I'd have just gone ahead and smashed it anyway, just to be safe.
1: Mm. That would have prevented some issues for her later, but... Yeah. Also, they're at war with the Southern Isles now, right? Unclear. Because I mean,
0: the invading the the.
1: I guess they only killed the youngest member of the royal family, but
0: oh, see, I was thinking about how the scout force that was sent to invade, got killed. So you know, maybe the southern isles have decided not to invade, and there hasn't been an official proclamation of war.
1: But the scouting force was the royal family, which also made no sense. But nah. Eh. Yeah. Unclear. So uh, they have a little ocarina of time moment where they have to dodge the guards, which is weird because they're their guards. But
0: I, I, it, I who's in control even? It's a very Scooby Doo.
1: And they they run across a picture of their parents and Elsa's like, so was Ingrid telling the truth? And I was like, yeah, but I mean, I didn't want to tell you because it would hurt your feelings, even though. I mean, it was going to hurt your feelings eventually and it's just worse that I didn't tell you immediately. And also it's like you should have told me immediately cuz honestly, I don't blame them. I look at Ingrid and I'm like, yeah, I totally could have killed a whole bunch of people.
0: And also, you know, our parents are only human. So yeah. they have a nice sisterly moment with the with their shared grief over both the death of their parents and the realization that your parents are only human. Which is a thing that all children have to grapple with at some point in their lives.
1: I feel like it's a a thing that hits you in stages, though. Like, you realize your parents are people, and then, like, as you get older, you realize, oh, a lot of the things that you're doing were things your parents did. You start to understand them more as people. It gets to be more of a deeper realization. And I feel like that never actually stops.
0: Yeah, that's probably true.
1: But Anna, Anna tells her, like, I bet that uh, if they were here today, they'd accept you and your powers. And Elsa says, we don't know that.
0: Yeah, Anna's, Anna theorizes that if their parents had died, if they had seen Elsa learn to control her powers, they'd have been like, oh, your powers are super cool. But of course, would Elsa have learned to control her powers if her parents were still there being overbearing? Probably not. So, you know.
1: Well, the thing I was thinking about that is, I feel like Elsa is, I mean, obviously she's older than Anna, but I feel like she's more adult than Anna here, because she's realized, yeah, they probably wouldn't, and that's fine. Like, yeah, I'm fine with it, we don't need to idolize our parents, we don't need to idolize the parents, and I feel like Anna's like, oh, they would have accepted you, is still being like, our parents would have eventually come to the right decision, because
0: and thus Elsa breaks the true curse of Once Upon a Time and becomes a character who realizes that she doesn't need her parents' approval.
1: And in Storybrooke, she breaks the other curse of Once Upon a Time and actually uses a goddamn locator spell. Yep. Well, she steals the one Regina brought.
0: Anyway, back in next season's plot, Robin Hood and Will Scarlet are breaking into the library again.
1: And, uh... Will's talking about the tumblers and you know
0: It is all about the tumblers.
1: And Robin just opens the door and he's like, It opens at ten.
0: Yeah. Although so does that mean Bell is in there?
1: It should mean that Bell's in there, and it's weird that he says opening hours till ten when it says it opens at ten. Oh no no never no, mind. Sorry, it's until ten. It says until ten, but it's light out.
0: Eh. I mean what is whatever. Time?
1: So, upstairs, Regina is pretending to read comics with uh, Hen- with Henry. She specifically is pretending to read about Wolverine, she, which I can relate.
0: because you pretend to read about Wolverine?
1: Yeah, uh, oh, Wolverine has a subplot. I'm like,
0: uh... Anyway, it's nice it, it's nice of her to promote Disney's brands by saying that she's reading Wolverine and showing it prominently to the camera.
1: Although they didn't have the X-Men at this point. I mean, Henry's reading a Hulk book, at least, but...
0: Henry talks about how he feels like he's not cool and special because he doesn't have powers.
1: He's pulling a real Xander here.
0: I was thinking, about, I was thinking of him more like Dawn. Yeah. And Regina points the out... The
1: sympathetic Xander.
0: Yes. And Regina points out that, number one, he does have powers because he's the truest believer. and that, So basically, he's God. But that also... You know, you don't need powers to be claws or purple shorts. And I just like that being a character from a fairy tale world, she looks at the Hulk and she's trying to figure out what makes the Hulk special. And all she can come up with is, well, he wears purple shorts. That must be the thing that's special about him.
1: Yeah, she's not not the green skin or, you know, the fact that he's really, really strong. Purple shorts. Yep. Also, I have the same thing here that I had with uh, Xander and Dawn in Buffy. Magic's something you can just learn. Like, you're not going to be Willow-level proficient because she was a prodigy or whatever, but, like, if you have that much of a sad about not having any powers, fucking learn magic. It's it's not impossible. Giles did it. I mean...
0: Giles is also kind of a prodigy. Yeah. Wesley went to Price did it.
1: Yeah, Wesley was doing... Like, Wesley could pop a fireball by season six. Or five. I don't know. He was doing some not unimpressive stuff in, like, the fourth season when he was going all dark. That dude had a serious character arc.
0: Yeah, he did. I actually really like Wesley Winter Price in Angel. I think that Wesley Winter Price in Angel is who should be with Buffy.
1: You've mentioned that before. Yes. But Regina comforts Henry, and she's like, look... i've been on i've been on both sides of this i know you're worried about emma but as someone who's worked with her and worked against her she's an incredibly strong person who always pulls through
0: yeah she's like hey you know how you know how my whole deal with the book is that good guys always win and bad guys always lose don't worry emma's a good guy
1: yeah and then she gives him the headbutt of love
0: yeah oh and
1: uh, and she heals his uh
0: she heals his cut yeah which is a nice reminder that magic isn't always evil, yeah and although, also, again,
1: it, it's the weird running thing where dark magic users are the people who are perpetually using healing spells.
0: It is a weird contrast, especially since apparently she's a dark magic user, but she heals the cut that he got from a light magic user. yeah, so uh,
1: although we know she can use light magic, although I really don't think she ever does again.
0: I mean maybe that was light magic. Uh, it was based on her love of Henry, yeah, theoretically.
1: I feel like it's a dark side of the force, light side of the force. It's all the same thing.
0: <laughs> Alright, so in the pod shop, Hook is like freaking out because he knows that Rumble's plan is to steal Emma's power.
1: And he sees Emma's handprint on this thing and he calls her and he has this. Super exposition-y, I guess, voicemail.
0: Yep, he leaves her an exposition-filled voicemail where he tells her that Gold has been lying to Belle and that he's going to steal her powers.
1: And suck her into a hat, and Hook knew about this, and he helped him with the hat, but blah, blah, blah. He's being He was being blackmailed, and but Emma's safety is more important, and he hopes that she never talks to him again because that means she'll be Okay. Yeah. It's a weird statement.
0: He hopes that she lives to be super, super pissed at him.
1: Yeah. That makes sense. And then he... Stu- you know,
0: I was thinking about this. We talked about how Killian didn't really do anything wrong. But his... As far as this series of events goes. But his err his crime as it were, is blackmailing Rumpel by telling him he knows that the dagger is fake. So the first thing he did is allow an abuser to keep lying to his... Wife. So, you know what? I'm back against Hook. Hmm. I'm no longer on Hook's side. Just for the record.
1: But he gives this long, speechy speech into Emma's voicemail box, and then he sees the map with the location Emma's in circled, and well, super that was, convenient. That was a gimme. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Emma's driving to the meeting place to meet with uh, Goldwin. The Snow Queen breaks out of her circle, bumps into right. the road.
0: She doesn't break out of the circle. The Snow Queen, in in the Snow Queen's lair, she's doing the thing where you bump up against the invisible barrier so that the audience sees where it is. But she's doing it like a super methodical way so that we can assume she's testing it in a way that it's that it's not normal. Um, and she sees the and she notices her mirror and realizes that she can use her mirror to project herself over to where Emma is, even though she can't get out of the circle.
1: Yeah, it's a real, uh... You're you're right, it's a real spoilers for uh, The Last Jedi. It's a real Luke Skywalker move.
0: Oh, it totally is.
1: She projects herself into the road. Emma swerves to avoid her, which seems weird. I guess she doesn't want to kill the Snow Queen. I think
0: that's instinct. I think it's good that our instinct is to not hit people before our brain has identified who they are.
1: Yeah, but she swerves, and she gets... It's been a long time since we've got a car crash. Uh, it's a storybook classic.
0: Yeah, I guess it has been.
1: But Emma has crashed her car, and that's the end of this uh, 2 par- or The first part of this two-parter. I liked it. I, You know, I was kind of eh about it the first time around, but in retrospect...
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I see... It's funny, um, when I was watching it, Netflix immediately started playing the next episode... So if I'm completely honest with you, I wasn't sure where this one ended and the next one began. Uh,
1: yeah, but...
0: So you're right, It's it was mostly table setting for the second half of this episode, but we'll talk about that next week.
1: Yeah, it stands up better than I thought. You know what, actually, I feel like this is... I know this is immediately shooting myself in the foot, but I really don't think there's that much of a lull in this season. We've still got, what, f- three episodes to go? Three but... More
0: episodes, but yeah, no, I think you might be right. I think the Frozen season, not counting the first season, might be the best season of Once Upon a Time. Can that possibly be right?
1: Weird, too weird.
0: Anyway, let's talk about things that this that this episode took directly from Frozen.
1: Chocolate, <laughs> which uh, yeah, the, the, uh...
0: yes, the throwaway the throwaway line about chocolate becoming an obsession with chocolate, yes.
1: Yeah, we're, she's throwing a feast for Anna, and they're going to have chocolate souffle and chocolate trifles and a chocolate goose and chocolate... Toast. Yeah, and she's like, chocolate ice cream. Is that too on the nose? And it's like...
0: It's all too on the nose. Elsa, it's all too on the nose.
1: I don't... That's a stereotype I straight up don't get. Everyone likes chocolate. It's sugar and cocoa. It's good. Yeah. But it's... like. It, but people always talk about it like it's a woman thing. It's not it's good it's candy i don't
0: i don't think it's a thing yeah
1: you know women and chocolate
0: yeah maybe i don't know
1: even her i feel like that's a sexist thing yeah
0: yeah i guess i just a little bit I, I don't think it was i don't think it was here though
1: yeah it was just a elongated shout out to them having a thing about chocolate in the movie
0: do you want to talk about clothes sure
1: uh briefly i mean i feel like the only really thing worth talking about is ingrid's workshopped dress it feels like they were yes
0: right it's like the same dress but slightly different
1: yeah honestly i feel like we've been seeing the dress in like drafts and we're finally getting to the final draft of this dress
0: which is weird because it's not like it's changing over time it's not like it's a slightly different dress in the past and a new one in the present it's just like yeah like you said
1: It's just every time it shows up, no matter when it happens chronologically, it's a slightly different dress. But incorporating fur was a good idea, and I really like the concentric circle designs. Yeah,
0: the jewel pattern is is nice on the new dress. All right, so I think that's it for this week. Next week, we'll talk about Smash the Mirror Part 2. Woo! Our show is partially listener-supported through Patreon. If you would like to become one of our patrons, you could click the link on our website, ilovetelevisionzines.com. And uh, we'd like to thank our $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Cassidy, Alec, Alex, Alicia, and Ryan.
1: Thank you so much. And there are other ways you can support our podcast, such as helping us out by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show.
0: If you want to talk about this episode, you can go over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Scenes.
1: If you have a question or comment, send us an email at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com or... Tweeted us at I Love TV Zines.
0: So until next week, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Storybook.